0: Show.
1: And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, uh, a great nation uh, facing uh, great challenges abroad, uh, challenges involving our allies that uh, are, are facing existential threats. That's certainly true in Ukraine. That's certainly true with the evil excesses of the Russian regime and of Putinism. And that represents also a profound danger to the United States. Why? Because what we're talking about is that success in Ukraine would probably mean more Russian aggression against other nations in the region, uh, nations that would be members of NATO that we are obliged to offend and to fight alongside. Uh, Why? Because there's a treaty. That's the NATO treaty. And uh, concerning Hamas, uh, if this sort of evil is going to get uh, the support of the American people uh, in, in any numbers at all, it uh, shows a, a degradation and a level of division in our country that is threatening to our continued existence and success. Uh, We'll talk about that with Dr. Russell Moore, the Editor-in-Chief of Christianity Today. Uh, Meanwhile, President Trump uh, issued a video on social media in which he uh, laid down the basics of his plans for a second term. Uh, He's already looked way beyond the Republican nomination, where he is running well ahead in crucial primaries. Uh, And he's gone on now to talk about his vision of America after he takes the oath of office and uh, having won the election, uh, his third election for president, uh, having won it in 2024 and taking the oath in 2025. This is the new America we would see. Uh, Clip one. These highly political Biden lawsuits and indictments shouldn't be allowed to start until after the election is over. Who would ever think a thing like this would be allowed to start? We actually have one judge that wants the lawsuit to start the day before Super Tuesday. These are corrupt people. Our founding fathers are looking down at Biden with scorn right now. They're looking down on Biden and this administration with disbelief. We're going to make America great again. We're going to put America first. And we're going to have a great country. It's going to be called the United States of America. Thank you very much. Uh, The uh, uh, one of the things the uh, former president, Uh, Authorized his uh, chief aides to speak to Andrew uh, Restuccia and Jess Braven of the Wall Street Journal. And uh, they laid out for the Wall Street Journal the actions that President Trump has pledged for his second term. Uh, One that is um, fairly dramatic is uh, under immigration. Uh, the President Trump would carry out what would be the largest deportation operation in all of human history, and send thousands of troops stationed overseas uh, to the U.S.-Mexico border. And what the, uh, the the troops would shoot at sight when they see people approaching the border. Uh, This idea of the largest deportation in history, if you're talking about most people uh, agree that what we have in the United States right now, there are about 11 million people, maybe 12 million, who are here without legal authorization. They're here illegally. And would you deport all of them? It sounds like that, that would be unbelievably expensive, of course. Because deportation is an expensive thing. You're paying for legal proceedings. You're paying for arresting people. You're paying for detaining people. And then you're uh, uh, paying for putting them on an airplane or a bus to where exactly? Uh, Mexico does not want everybody. Uh, And many of these people are in central from Central American countries. They're from Venezuela, which is on the South American continent. In any event, uh, President Trump has also uh, talked about issuing an executive order ending the constitutional right to birthright citizenship which uh, for more than a century has provided U.S. citizenship to children born in the country, regardless of their parents' immigration status. Actually, since 1868, that has been the case because it is stated very clearly in the 14th Amendment to the Constitution that it's there. So an executive order wouldn't uh, do the trick. Um, there uh, is a more... About the, uh, the ongoing uh, campaign and some of its uh, developments, the uh, House Republicans, uh, it says in uh, Hotline, that uh, have found success in recent cycles by promoting candidates from underrepresented communities. But Senate Republicans have not adopted a similar tactic as they look to flip the upper chamber. The National Republican Campaign Committee boasts that in 2020, every seat that Republicans flipped from Democratic to Republican was won by a woman, a minority, or a veteran, or all three. The uh, GOP House Campaign Committee expanded on that strategy in the last cycle and is sticking to the same plan in 2024. But the National Republican Senatorial Committee, by contrast, the uh, GOP Senate candidates have been predominantly white and male. This cycle, only Arizona Governor Carrie Lake uh, is the only They identify her as Arizona governor. She's not. She ran for governor. She thinks she won, but she didn't. Uh, She's the only prominent Republican woman who is running for the Senate. And uh, they believe that actually might uh, harm the Republican cause. There's also another area where women are just winning. Uh, This is reported by the Associated Press. Girls and boys attain the same classes, attend the same classes with access to the same programs and even come from the same families. But girls are consistently and dramatically outperforming boys, graduating at higher rates at public high schools across the country. The gap between them is wide, often as wide as the achievement gap between students from affluent and low-income families, a problem that officials have attacked closely for years. The reasons why boys are failing at falling short aren't clear. Interviews with students, educators, and researchers point to several factors. Uh, Men generally can earn the same wages as women with less education. But boys also are more likely to face discipline, knocking them off track. And they don't pursue help as often when they face mental health challenges. Some boys are fine. When they first drop out, landing jobs, providing steady incomes, but studies show young men who drop out of high school earn less over their lifetimes and are far more likely to end up in jail. More than 45,000 fewer boys than girls graduated from high school in 2018, according to an estimate based on data available from 37 reporting states. So what about... The idea that both sides are guilty and suffering in the Middle East conflict. We'll talk about that with Dr. Russell Moore of Christianity Today. Coming up.
0: More of Michael Bed-Bed in a moment. <laughs>
1: On The Michael Medved Show, it is an honor to welcome back to this show Dr. Russell Moore, who is editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. He is also the author of the recent bestseller, the current bestseller. It is called Losing Our Religion, an altar call for evangelical America. And most recently, uh, he's issued another call with a piece under the heading American Christians should stand with Israel under attack. And a, uh, another column, which says, uh, both sides-ism about Hamas is a moral failure. Uh, Dr. Moore, I imagine you've gotten a lot of response from uh, taking what has been a, an unequivocal, forceful, and very persuasive stand.
0: Uh, I have, and you know, I, I sometimes wish that I could be in a controversy about something that's actually morally difficult. Uh, <laughs> often I'm surprised by the most obvious things that one has to say, uh, and, and yet uh, are, are actually controversial. It, it seems to me murder, kidnapping, rape, hostage-taking, these aren't, these aren't difficult moral questions.
1: Uh, no, and uh, the the people who would take the other side would be saying that the loss of life uh, has been even more profound for the innocent citizens of Gaza and uh, that it's important to recognize the suffering on both sides, and you do in your columns, but uh, there's a difference. And the difference? Well, yes
0: well the the difference is we're talking about here a a war against Hamas, not a war against the Palestinian people and so when when someone will say, oh, "Well, don't confuse Palestinian uh, people with Hamas and we say, "Of course, and Hamas should be defeated and the response is then you're being unkind to the Palestinian people that's that's inexplicable to me uh, I think the Palestinian people are uh, just as harmed by the presence of Hamas as Israel or or anyone else, and and I I just find it very difficult to believe that Palestinians of goodwill, whatever their religion, would in any way uh, support this. And uh, so so that that kind of question, there are very legitimate questions about um, making sure that Palestinian uh, Palestinian people aren't harmed making sure that we're we're clarifying the fact that when we're talking about all this we're we're not talking about wiping out Palestinian populations or uh, or in in any way doing anything other than trying to achieve peace but that requires coming right at Hamas
1: and uh, after Hamas is uh, eliminated uh, once the The centers of activity, apparently they have already uh, blown up and gotten rid of some of the tunnel network, which was the locus of their evil and their power. Uh, Once that is accomplished, and the best estimates now are it's a matter of uh, a few months, uh, and they may be agonizing months for many people, what next for the Middle East?
0: Well, I don't know. Um, I, I think that we've been in a, in a stalemate in the Middle East for, for quite a long time, and the current situation certainly does not make that better. Uh, I'm very concerned about Hezbollah and Iran. I mean, there are so many contingencies here that we don't know uh, we don't know where it's going to go. And so, in, in many ways, we're we're as, as blind to where this is going as we were in, say, the fall of 2019 about COVID. Uh, I, I just don't think we know yet. But I think, I mean, ultimately what, what I think most people want is a secure and free Israel and a secure and free uh, uh, state for Palestinian people. Most people are, are for that all around the world. But it's impossible to get to that when there are terrorist networks murdering innocent people.
1: Yeah, and and of course, the support, I mean, even though the Palestinian Authority, things have been much quieter on the West Bank, there still is unrest there. There still is outspoken support for the excesses of Hamas. And uh, as somebody with close family, my my brother has lived in Israel for 40 years and has raised his family and his grandchildren there. Uh, But uh, there are a lot of Israelis who will tell you that the chances of uh, Israeli support for an independent Palestinian state are damaged uh, by the support quote, in the name of the Palestinian cause for the excesses of Hamas around the world. In other words, the uh, Israelis left Gaza in 2005 and they took out all the settlers and all the military and all the police authorities and anything Israeli was taken out of Gaza. And the keys were thrown in the road. They were eventually seized by Hamas Uh, What's the best assurance that if there is a new Palestinian state that it doesn't go the same way where the most murderous aspects of their national movement end up taking over?
0: Well, I think a lot of that is going to depend upon uh, the Palestinian people as well as the Israelis. Um, I I think that what we, we need to see is a strong condemnation of this sort of activity and a strong uh, condemnation of doing it in the name of uh, Palestinian liberation. I think we have seen that with, with uh, some people. But uh, That is going to have to be an assurance that what is being built and constructed is not a terrorist state. Uh, and, and I think that's a, that's a very reasonable thing to ask, but yes, this has set this back quite a while. I think that's that's clear.
1: Quite a bit. Uh, and w- what about the rise in anti-Semitism that has been a phenomenon around the world associated with this attack in which Jews were the victims? What do we do?
0: I, I have been really disturbed by what I'm seeing on college campuses. I've been really encouraged by um, what I'm seeing. One of our, uh, our reporters, uh, Emily Bells, has a piece that's going to be coming out soon about what um, some evangelical campus ministries are doing to stand in solidarity with their Jewish classmates, um, walking alongside them, for instance, because this is a situation I don't think any of us would have believed just a few years ago. I had a, a Jewish mother of a college student at an elite university tell me the other day that her daughter is fearful of people knowing that she is Jewish. Uh, And fearful for her own safety That's insanity I I, I can't believe that this is happening In the United States of America
1: So how do we get back To being uh, the America That we all love And revere We'll continue talking about that With Dr. Russell Moore The editor-in-chief of Christianity Today Coming up
0: The Michael Medved Show
1: Michael Medved Show, a pleasure to welcome back to the show Dr. Russell Moore, who is editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, uh, the author of uh, the very compelling uh, recent bestseller, Losing Our Religion, An Altar Call for Evangelical America. Uh, one of the things that you emphasize in the book is the need for Americans within uh, various religious denominations and beyond any religious denominations, just including Americans in general, including that big percentage of our country that would be more secular or people who are unchurched uh, to to put it that way is to bring the country together past some of the terrible po- uh, divisions we've had politically and ethically and 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 basically viewing our fellow Americans as the enemy. Uh, President Biden got himself elected largely because he pledged to try to bring our country together. And though I think that there are many well-intentioned attempts to do that, it obviously hasn't worked. What do we need to emphasize, um, Pastor Moore? In, in terms of actually trying to unify the United States?
0: Well, one of the things I think we have to do is to take seriously uh, when we see the kind of drift that that's being experienced. I mean, we, we were just talking here about anti-Semitism on college campuses, uh, usually with the left. And what I would say to my progressive uh, friends is look at what often happens on the right, and those of us who are center-right have, have had to say uh, repeatedly, Nick Fuentes uh, has to be repudiated, uh, this, this sort of Holocaust denial and, and so forth. And I think that we have seen what happens when there's a, an attitude of, oh, this will just take care of itself. And often what happens is there's this attitude of, well, this is just fringe, and it doesn't represent very many people, and so it will go away. We've seen on the right that is not the case. And I really hope that on the, the left, the, the true small-l liberals uh, will uh, definitively speak to this. I think many are, and, and I think that um, I think that President Biden – has been really good on this, uh, on this question uh, of Israel and of anti-Semitism, making clear that anti-Muslim attitudes are wrong, too. I, I'm, I, I have no complaints about that. But I think the movement has to clearly repudiate uh, this, this kind of attitude, especially when you look at the demographics and you look at how, um, how Gen Z, according to the polling, How they see these questions, which is completely different than every other generation, in some really disturbing ways. We can't just let that go.
1: Why would that be? I I know my. I I think about uh, years ago. My my parents uh, met at a a, a sort of a progressive Zionist camp, uh, Mm -hmm. and. Uh, that that was years ago when when Israel was still a dream and yeah. the idea that once upon a time uh, being a, a strong support of Israel, being a believer in reestablishing a Jewish state was considered something for the young. And, and today what mm-hmm. you're saying and, and you're right, it's across ethnic and uh, religious divisions. A younger people tend to be less supportive of uh,
0: quite quite a bit so. the
1: right of Israel to exist. Uh, why is that?
0: I think it's because they are they are putting this situation into a rubric of who has the power and who is the powerless. And the powerless are always the ones who are correct, and, and those with the power are those to be, um, those to be opposed. And so they, they often put, well, Israel is the powerful one, and uh, the Palestinians are the powerless. And then if you add with that an idea that in those circumstances, liberation by any means necessary is warranted, that leads to uh, some, some really dangerous thinking, uh, not to mention really uh, bad thinking just just uh, all around. I mean, this, often there are other historical fights that are being superimposed on the Middle East in, in ways that just are completely illegitimate. And that's one of the reasons why there's such, uh, there's such tension in a lot of coalitions that have come together – Uh, for many years when they're realizing, oh, wait, uh, we actually have very different views on on Israel. I had a a woman who has been working in uh, the progressive world for a long time, and she said, I understand now what it is like for those of you on the right who had disagreements on uh, Trump and Trumpism because – I'm in a situation where I'm, I'm looking at people I've been working with for years, and suddenly I'm seeing that they don't even believe that Israel should have a right to exist. How, how is this the case, and how have I never known this? I mean I think a lot of those, those coalitions are, are in trouble right now in a time when the country just can't afford any more
1: coalition break. Let, let me let me raise something else that you raised which i think is very profound which is there is a particularly among younger people the idea of favoring the underdog and that that's a big american tradition and and mm-hmm. israel has been such a a blessed and successful country and obviously for people living in gaza much less so uh but then the question becomes, when you apply that logic favoring the underdog uh, against the uh, big and powerful bully, why is there no surge of younger support for Ukraine? <laughs> because, again, the right. the desire for so many people to try to excuse or justify uh, the Russian depredations... And e- e- evil and cruelty there, isn't that surprising?
0: It is very surprising. and And what I've noticed in the evangelical community is that we always have a tendency to overreact to uh, something that we think needs critique. And one of those things is there 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 has been an attitude in some sectors of evangelicalism that Israel is always right and uh, applying the covenant promises to the modern state of Israel and saying that means if we're not affirming Israel in everything that they do, then we're uh, we're opposing God. Well, of course, that's that's not true. I mean, even the prophets of the Hebrew Scripture are often <laughs> opposing, opposing uh, what Israel is doing. Right, uh, biblical so Israel people... was
1: far from perfect.
0: Correct, yeah. And I, so I think there are... There are some people who look at that and say, oh, well, because I don't hold uh, those sorts of views about the end of the world and and the place of Israel in that, then I need to uh, go as far to the other side of that as possible. And I think in in almost all cases, that sort of mentality leads us in, in a bad situation, and it certainly has here
1: appreciate uh uh your conversation and appreciate your recent work. Uh <laughs> they have a uh they have a a photograph. Jeremy just put it on the uh screen for me. It's a twenty year old photograph which, which is making uh the rounds right now and it shows a tank Uh, advancing toward a young Palestinian rock thrower. Uh, I I assume the rock thrower got out of the way and uh, after delivering his rock at the uh, presumably Israeli tank. But that's exactly what it is that uh, Dr. Moore was talking about. Uh, a great pleasure and honor to speak to uh, Russell Moore, the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, the author of uh, Losing Our Religion, An Altar Call for Evangelical America. Uh, we will be right back on the Medved Channel.
0: Of debate. It's the Michael Medved Show.
1: And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, in the political world, every once in a while <laughs> you'll hear an idea that is so uh, far fetched, it would seem, and so bizarre and so different from anything that people have been talking about for a while that it just compels attention it it really does uh and and that's true for a letter at the wall street journal today and it's from someone i've never heard of Uh, his name is howard j klein he is from lakewood ranch florida and if anybody pays attention to this idea as i have it could change the world it could certainly change the entire configuration of this election that we're all continually dreading. Uh, okay, uh, here is, here's the letter. It's uh, in response to a column uh, by Holman Jenkins. Uh, the column was called Biden's Only Salvation, A New Veep. In other words, Jenkins was writing in the Wall Street Journal that uh President Biden needs to find some way of dumping Kamala Harris and getting someone much more compelling to run along with him what uh the author of the letter says his name again howard klein he says in uh in his column, Holman Jenkins suggests that President Biden should fill the vacuum created by his age related debilitation by naming his running mate a person of undoubted forcefulness, seen by the public as ready to take over when global events are running out of control. loath as I am to give the Democrats any advice, I would suggest, he says, that the perfect person for that role as President Biden's running mate would be former President Barack Obama. Okay, you ready for that? But but Obama's already served two terms as president. Listen, because this is not idiocy. It's far-fetched, but it may be plausible. Before someone hurls the 22nd Amendment at me, that's the amendment limiting presidents to two terms, I would suggest they read it first. That amendment states, no person shall be elected to the office of the president more than twice. There is nothing about running for vice president after serving two terms as president. Moreover, as vice president, Mr. Obama would constitutionally succeed to the presidency without election if Mr. Biden were to vacate the office. And what to do about Vice President Kamala Harris? Perhaps she would defer to Mr. Obama if promised the attorney general post or a nomination to the first available Supreme Court seat confirmation might be a little difficult on that one, but who knows? Uh, look, it's, it's one of those things that uh, really does represent an element of why people are so depressed looking forward to this particular upcoming election. Uh, it, it's Not just uh, Trump and Biden, where 63% of the country, according to the most recent polling, doesn't want to vote for either of them. They want both of them not to run for president. But then the numbers that would like to see Kamala Harris go away, those numbers are even higher. Uh, And would... uh, would she conceivably stand aside for Barack Obama? Uh, she would uh, definitely stand aside for Michelle Obama, um, but that's another story. By the way, Barack. By the way, Barack and Michelle Obama have tried their hands at a new joint project. They are both the co-producers of a new movie, uh, which we're going to be reviewing tomorrow, and uh, I. Again, it's it's kind of unusual to see a former president, a former first lady, producing a film. It's a film about the March on Washington and about Bayard Rustin, who, along with Dr. King, was one of the architects of the March on Washington. Uh, we will be reviewing that, I said tomorrow, but I meant on Friday, of course, which is the day that the film is released. Uh, meanwhile, there is a... Um, Another survey out there that shows that uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, the chamber's most vulnerable Democrat, remains among most America's most unpopular senators. But according to our state-by-state quarterly, this is from a morning consult, uh, surveys gauging leader popularity, he has seen recent improvement in his home state standing As he mulls whether to seek re-election next year in a contest that could pit him against one of America's most popular governors, uh, Governor Republican Jim Justice. And what part of this looks at is that who is the most popular senator in America with the highest approval rating? John Barrasso of Wyoming. He remains America's most popular senator with a 70 percent approval rating at home in Wyoming. He's followed by Democratic Senator Brian Schatz of Hawaii, who has a 65 percent approval rating. Also popular is Vermont Senator Peter Welch, a freshman Democrat, who boasts a 61 percent approval rating, roughly matching veteran Senator Bernie Sanders standing in the state after... Uh, just nine months in office. Okay, what's the secret here? Why is uh, John Barrasso so popular in Wyoming? Because Wyoming's an overwhelmingly Republican state, and he's a standard-issue Republican. And why is Brian Schatz so popular in Hawaii? Because he's a big liberal Democrat in a state that is overwhelmingly Democratic. And then you go to Vermont, where you have the two Democratic senators. I know Bernie Sanders is technically an independent but uh, the, the point being that it is easy for senators to achieve popularity in one-party states. That doesn't mean that they actually select better senators. We will get to more of that. Uh, meanwhile, there is a, uh, a new biography on film that includes some extraordinary footage with one of the world's most celebrated novelists, the espionage writer Jean Le Carré. The movie by uh, documentarian Errol Morris is called The Pigeon Tunnel. Now it's time for Medved's Entertainment Minute. Just before he died three years ago, the acclaimed author of spellbinding novels on espionage, Jean Le Carré, gave a series of intimate interviews about his remarkable life to the veteran documentarian Earl Morris. The result is called The Pigeon Tunnel, now streaming on Apple TV+.
0: It's terribly difficult to recruit for a secret service. You're looking for somebody who's a bit bad, but at the same time loyal. There's a type, and I fit it perfectly
1: and the movie concentrates on the subject's personal life and family background more than on his brief real-life service with Great Britain's famous spy organizations. Filmmaker Morris cleverly uses scenes from successful movies based on Le Carre's work, which gives you a three-dimensional view of a writer's imagination. Rated PG-13 for references to danger and death. Three stars for the fascinating, occasionally haunting, The Pigeon Tunnel. And tomorrow on The Michael Medved Show, we'll be talking about uh, George Will's warning that surging GOP isolationism is a dreadful development in a dangerous time. Is isolationism really surging in the GOP under the heading of America First? Uh, We'll talk about it. Next time on The Medved Show Also Kevin Williamson joins us Of National Review And other publications And he writes about The distinction between Anti-Zionism and Anti-Semitism Is it uh, possible To believe that the Jewish People are the only people in the world Who don't deserve a nation of their own Is that possible Without uh, Endorsing anti-Semitism and uh, the economy is great, says the Wall Street Journal. So why are Americans in such a rotten mood? Lingering inflation alone can't explain all of the unhappiness. Maybe it is referred pain from the wider world, they say. And uh, also, there's a piece by Elie Wiesel's son.